Great, thank you very much indeed. We're in our series, Vital Signs, and uh, we're using it as a measure to think about how alive we are. How alive are you this morning? How alive are uh, the people around you in your family? How alive is, is your small group, your missional community? How alive are the people in your pew? Um, we recognize that Jesus took the way things are in the world, because that's how he created them to be, in their goodness and in their rightness. And he would often use them to help illustrate or illuminate what also could be or should be true in our spiritual lives. So we're taking the seven signs of life that we... Uh, can't remember from our biology lessons at school, and we're thinking about how the way God's created the world to be helps us to think about the way that we uh, develop spiritually. So over the weeks, we've been thinking about uh, different ones of these. We've had uh, movement right at the beginning, and then respiration uh, on Pentecost Sunday, sensitivity a fortnight ago, and now today we're thinking about uh, growth. Everything that's alive grows. Even if we're not growing in stature, our cells and so on continue to grow. There is a growth uh, uh, dynamic. And the moment that growth dynamic stops, it's an indication that our physical beings are in trouble. So we're thinking this morning about the way everything that's alive grows. The plants, the flowers, the grass, the hedgerow, the animals, the people. And growth is such an important thing. Babies are very cute most of the time. But but if they don't grow, that's no longer cute. That's tragic. That's not as it's meant to be. And, and we might celebrate the, the, the greatness of a, of, a, of a Christian, of a spiritual birth. But unless there's growth, something that's so exciting and so wonderful and so dynamic at the beginning can, can in turn become much more tragic. Does that make sense? In the same way, the, the, if a child doesn't develop properly, there's a tragedy around that. We all go, there's something wrong. And in the same way, as we think about our our spiritual journeys, if if we're no longer growing, then we need to ask some questions of ourselves because it's the beginnings of an indication that something is wrong. And and Paul sometimes, when he'd write to the people, he'd get frustrated when he says, oh, you're you're still just on baby milk. You're on SMA. Does that exist anymore, SMA? It does, yeah. Those are the days. Um, and, uh, 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 and all of that stuff. And Paul's going, you, you're just still on the baby stuff. You're still just having sterilizer food and all of that. Uh, and you need to grow up. It was fine for you at the beginning, but now you need to move on this kind of pull of growth. So let's just get our bearings a little bit as we think about, about growth. So the, the first thing I've already been alluding to, that growth is to be expected. Growth is something that we would expect to see in any living thing. Growth is something we would expect to see in our personal lives, in our uh, corporate community life. 
And of course, we can talk about growth in so many different ways. Jesus' parables are often about this growth. Let's go, Jesus says, for a crop of 100 or 60 or, or 30 times what was sown. Let's take something smaller beginning and let's see it grow and develop. He talked about a mustard seed, which emphasizes that small beginning. But of course, a mustard seed that stays small becomes uh, insignificant. But as it grows, it becomes one of the largest of uh, garden plants, as it says there in this version of uh, the NIV. Famously, though, uh, the picture of growth comes from the vine. In the last few hours that Jesus was spending with his disciples, he, he talked about the vine and he said, look, this is um, the, the way I want it to be. I'm the vine and you are the branches. And, and if you remain in me, there will be growth, there will be fruit. Things will develop and, and grow. So growth is to be expected. I'm not sure that the Christian culture in which I grew up, I don't, I don't really mean the church, I just mean the general Christian culture, expected much growth. What we tended to um, talk about was how people weren't part of the Christian faith as much as they used to, that less people were coming to church than they used to. We were in a kind of rapid, monumental period of decline when the church was wondering whether it would uh, survive. So any talk about growth seemed overtly optimistic. It was only the, the super optimists that would talk about growth. And, and so it wasn't expected because it wasn't seen and it wasn't happening. Anyone think that far back? to those kind of uh, 70s, 80s, 90s and all that was going on in our kind of country and culture at that time. And it fed, I think, this kind of um, hope that the best that we could hope for is the status quo. And because everything was shifting and, and, and deteriorating and there were less people in church this year than there were last year and so on and so forth, that we began to, to, to grasp the mentality, let's just hold on to what we've got. Maybe we can hope for that. No, it's not a bad thing or a wrong thing, but it, it, it certainly took away a confidence, a belief that we would see uh, growth happening uh, around us. And the pressure became, as I think we've known, to keep things going. We've all felt that pressure in church life, haven't we? Whatever Whatever you've been involved in in serving in a church, there comes that point when there's that pressure, we, we've got to keep this thing going. Anyone alive? Anyone's vital signs of movement and sensitivity and reaction and response? Good. Um, and so it, it's a kickstart, I think, to think in terms of growth um, to be something we should expect. And it's also true personally, because if, if we're maintaining the status quo in our church life, what becomes important then is, is just coming back and repeating what we did before to keep it all happening. And so it's very easy, as we know, and we're all part of this, very easy to, to, to make the marker of our spiritual lives about, about, about coming and being involved. And, and of course, without coming and without being involved, you can't grow, but, but that's not of itself. A, a necessarily necessary indication of growth. So I can sit in church happily for many years and not grow. And so can we all. It's easy to do that in our culture. So Jesus, in, in contrast to that, 
often talked about kickstarting growth. Look, sow something and expect it to grow. Expect to see something happen, something change. Second marker is that growth is natural. Uh, uh, it's, it's not something that you can make happen. It is something that does happen. And when it happens, it happens naturally. Generally speaking, growing physically doesn't hurt. Uh, our kids have had a few challenges growing in terms of that. But generally speaking, when you grow, and you grow at night maybe, more while you're sleeping, you don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, that really hurts where I've grown this morning. Uh, generate just, just a natural process that happens in the background and you don't realize it's happening until you stop and you say there's some measure of some kind. You put a mark on the wall of how tall you were six months ago and suddenly you can see that there's been uh, growth. It's natural and we cannot make it happen. The primary focus of the, some of the reading was about uh, Paul saying that he plants a seed and Apollos waters it, but God's the one. It's the way God set it up that things will grow. God makes things grow, but we can create the right conditions. We can create the right conditions or the right environment. And uh, we're going to think about that in a few moments' time. So far, though, I think growth all sounds rather positive and no one would go, well, I'm not interested in growing. We'd, we'd all go, do you want to grow? I think everyone would put their hand up and say, that's me, I'd like to grow. In my spiritual life, I'd like to grow. my faith, I'd like it to grow. My reading of Scripture, would like, I'd like it to grow. My understanding of Scripture, I'd like to grow. I'd like to be better at sharing my faith, I'd like that to grow. Uh, I'd like my prayer life to grow. I think we'd, we'd keep saying, I'd like it to grow. I'd like it to grow. Um, but there is a flip side. And the flip side is this, is, is that growth is change. Is to change. And if we ask the same question, who'd like to change, then we'd be more hesitant. We'd raise our hands because we know that we should. But, but in our hearts, in the honesty of our hearts, we'd be going, well, I, I, I don't, no, I'm not as comfortable with the idea of changing. I don't mind growing, but I don't want to change. And, and they're, they're two sides, aren't they, of the same coin. They, they go hand in glove because in, in order to grow, you have to change. You see, when I was five years of age... I was in Denzel Davis's class. Denzel Davis was magic. He was the best teacher you could ever imagine. Absolutely brilliant. And I suppose I could still be in his class if I didn't want to accept any change. But that would be somewhat tragic for him and for me. Uh, and so inevitably, as we grow, the backstory of that is a commitment to change. So do I want to grow? Yes, I do. Do I want to change? No, not really. Not really, actually. And I think that gets us trapped in a bit of a cycle where we're wanting to grow, but we're resistant to change. And, and I just invite us to pause for a moment in the quietness of our hearts. You can share it with the voices in your head rather than with anyone else. Where, where might you be caught in that cycle? Where, where might you want to grow, but actually I don't want to change? I want to grow, but I'm not sure about change.
Just ask the Spirit of God for a moment. Where, where, where might you be caught in that? Think of an area where you know you want to grow and the bit that gets you stuck is the change that's part of that growth. Does that make sense? Where's the Spirit just nudging you for a moment? Just 20 seconds of quiet. And as a final marker, we can think about growth in all kinds of different ways, but growth is to become ultimately like Jesus. That's the growth that we're after, both in terms of character, that we might be the kind of person who Jesus was, exhibiting uh, the fruit of the Spirit, exhibiting the unconditional love that he had, but also that we might become like Jesus in terms of what he did, he talked about us doing the same things that he did, uh, that we might follow him fully by being who he was and doing the things that, that he did. That's the, the goal. That might be the growth that would both change our hearts and our lives and impact our whole community. So, as we think about these markers and what it might mean to, to, to capture a sense of growth, what is it to create that environment? So we can't make uh, a plant grow, but we can create an environment, or at least some of us can create an environment, in which it will grow. Some of us know that if you're given a plant, it's just a question of time. <laughs> and you know that you cannot create the environment for that plant to flourish, however hard you try. And there's Murphy's Law that the harder you try, the faster it... it... Yes. Absolutely. So refreshing to have another voice. I'm quite bored of my own voice already, so you're doing... Come, come where they can hear you. Boom. All right, okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I couldn't, you couldn't have done a link to the next bit any better, if, even if you'd known what I was going to say next. Just brilliant. Because the first thing to think about as you create the right climate, uh, the right environment, is all about uh, the soil. Uh, and so the question that I, I want us to think about, that, that very visibly Barbara's kind of created for us, is, are we planted for growth? If you're in a tiny pot, 
You, th there's no growth expected. In fact, there's no room to grow. Because you can only go, grow as high as you've gone deep. Deep. And the trouble is, the growth deep, nobody sees and doesn't seem very interesting, but it's that growth that sustains the, the growth um, upwards and, and the height. So what kind of soil... What kind of soil do we need to be planted in, in order to grow? And different, different soils have different uh, minerals, different components. If you go to um, B&Q, you can look at the whole range of soils and compost that have got all kinds of different combinations of this, that, and the other, and it's a world way beyond uh, my experience and understanding. But what might be the components of the soil that you need to plant your life in, in order to see it grow? And uh, there might be others, but just very simply, I think there are two components, two minerals, use whatever metaphor language you like around it. The first is listening, and the second is doing. Listening to what God says is the soil in which we plant our lives alongside doing what he then tells us to do. And that is the, the very simple bedrock, the very straightforward planting ground in which we all need to put our lives, whether we've been a Christian for five minutes or 55 years, in order to see our lives grow and flourish. But we need both. And, and, and we will know, if we've been in church for a while, that the tendency is to, uh, is to listen and, and to spend less time in the doing. And because we're not confident about the doing, we'll spend a bit more time listening again. And we end up making listening the goal. So I've come to church and I've listened to the sermon, therefore I'm a good Christian. I've read my Bible today, I've listened, therefore I'm a good Christian. I've, I've listened to my small group leader, missional community leader, I, I, whatever. Uh, and we're amassing the listening, which absolutely needs to be part of the soil. We absolutely need to be listening to God's Word on a daily basis, uh, through our own personal readings and in other ways. But alongside that, we need to bring the doing. And, and very simply... As we create the soil of listening and doing, the Bible promises that we will begin to grow. That's the promise. And uh, we use a very simple tool uh, at Burlington that I hope most of you are well already aware of. If you're not aware of it, on the website, forward slash soap, and all the information about it is there. But it's a, a, little, a little tool that helps us, whether you're in a small group or in your personal Bible readings, or in your missional community, or helps us even on a Sunday to make sure that the soil in which we're placing our lives has both a listening and a doing and an obedience uh, dimension. Uh, so very uh, quickly, uh, Scripture, we're beginning to listen observation helps us to listen to what we think God is, is saying. And that's the first part. Without that, we, we don't go uh, anywhere. But often we've thought that it was the wise man that built his house upon the sand, who, uh, house upon the rock that listened. But actually the wise and the foolish person both listened. That's a bit awkward. 
Both the disciples that followed Jesus listened and the crowds that walked away. They both listened. So listening by itself is not the whole deal. We need then the application, uh, which is about, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know why I keep pressing that, because you can't see anything on the screen, but it's old habits die hard. Um, the application, the putting into practice what it is that we're hearing. Very simply, whatever tool you use, that's what we need to do. It's our daily bread, to take another metaphor of Jesus. And, and we can't store it up. We can't do it all in a few days and then have the rest of the month off. A bit like watering a plant. I've tried that. That doesn't work. I'll give you all you need today because I'll forget for the next 30. That doesn't work. Tried that with the kids as well. That didn't work either. Uh, daily bread, and in fact there were Bible readings, weren't they, called daily bread, but the listening, the doing the Bible reading, doing the daily bread is just the first bit. It's what you're going to do about it. And the growth comes in the doing. The growth comes not in the listening. The growth always comes in the doing. John Wimber had a phrase that's always stuck in my mind about the meat, he says, is on the street. And what he meant by that is that people would come to church and they'd say, I want to be fed. I come to this church because I want meat. So it'll properly build me up. I want solid food. And his point was that it's actually only in the doing that we actually get the meat. We actually only get the resource in our lives that we need when we actually get out and do whatever it is we're sensing God saying to us. So in your small group, Soap should be part of your rhythm. In your missional community, soap should be part of your rhythm. In your private Bible uh, times or with your accountability partners, whatever, soap should be part of your rhythm. We, we need to create this whole environment where we're listening and doing because that's what will stimulate and create the right environment in order for us to grow. So are you planted for growth? Secondly, are we positioned for growth? Not only do you need the soil and the pot to be right, and uh, you, you also need the position. Is it going to be somewhere that's drafty or not? Can it be in the sunshine or not? Does it need loads of water or, 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 or not? All of those things make a huge difference. People talk about plants like they're real people. Oh, she wasn't happy in that corner. And it's a recognition that position, environment matters. It does matter where, and it matters for you, for your growth, where you're positioned. And growth is so often experienced in the doing, and the doing is so often stimulated by being in an environment with other doers. And so what I want you to think about just for a few moments as you think about um, growth and, uh, and so on, is who are you with? What environment is around your life that helps you to grow? And in the main, because we're relational beings, it's other human beings that affect the environment most. Uh, it's not so much other things, although it's amazing how big an impact physical things around us can have, the colors of the walls, the design of things, and so on. But predominantly, it's people that affect our environment. And if you want to grow in prayer, what kind of people do you need to be around? 
praying people. If you want to get better at sharing your faith, what kind of people do you need to be around? If you want to get better at healing and praying for the sick, what kind, and, and, and it's kind of obvious, but our natural, our natural bent will be to go, I want to be better to pray, I'll buy a book on prayer. That's our natural thing. We'll all do that. Uh, CLC is grateful for that. Don't tell them I'm saying any of this. If I want to learn how to share my faith, well, I'm going to go and get 10 brilliant ways to share your faith and see your whole country come to Christ before the end of the week book by A1 Optimist. Um, thank you. Someone got that. Thanks, Margaret. A little late, but at least you were there. Better than everybody else. So nowhere, nowhere near. And so... so you know, often we might say, I find this interesting thinking about, often we say, and, and ministers say this to each other and, 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 and from time to time, just to kind of show off and brag and stuff. Uh, top tip, Sally. So you say to people, oh, what are you reading at the moment? Everyone blags it because they're reading nothing, to be perfectly honest. Um, what are you reading at the moment? But maybe a more penetrating question, a better growth discipleship question, might be, who are you with at the moment? That makes sense. Who are you with at the, at the moment? So pause just for a sec. We'll do 20 seconds. It seems like ages, doesn't it? Because we don't like to stop. 20 seconds. Who, who might you need to move closer to? Who, who are you with? Who might you mean? Alternatively, who might you need to move away from? Sometimes Jesus shut the wailing crowds outside when he prayed for Jairus' daughter. We need to shut some things out sometimes. Who might you need to move closer to? 20 seconds. So then finally, are we... Are we pruned uh, for growth? Are we pruned for growth? Or, or another way, perhaps, to ask the question is, where does a lot of your time, your energy, your effort, your worry go towards, go on, get sucked in uh, by? What's stopping the growth areas of our lives? So as we think about creating the right environment, if I've got no time or I've got no energy or all that energy is being going somewhere else. So if you've got a plant that's uh, drawing up uh, nutrients and energy from the soil, but right next to that plant is a mighty great weed that's taking all the nutrients away, the plant's going to suffer. So, so what's taking away my time, my energy, my equilibrium, my sense of well-being, my whatever it is, that actually I need to have that cut off from my life in order that I might be streamlined uh, for growth. And it, it's, the pruning thing is, is difficult, isn't it? Because I, I prune things to get them out of the way. And then they come back with a greater level of ferocity each time. And so the kind of confrontation between me and the foliage around our house gets more aggressive as the years go on. I'm going to be like Victor Meldrew by the end of it because you'll sniff it one morning, it'll be three times the size by the time you wake up the next day. But there is a sense in which uh, the, the pruning in our lives, the, the releasing of stuff that makes us feel like, oh, I'm letting go, it's empty, it's going wrong. And to be fair, sometimes when you prune something, it looks a bit sad, doesn't it? You know, it looks a bit less than its former glory. And we don't like that. But actually the strength that then comes because all the goodness is being channeled in the way that God would have it, is a remarkable thing. And I think one of the problems with pruning in our lives often is that we don't look at parts of our lives and say, that part doesn't bear any fruit at all. 
what we, what we often look at our lives, we say, well, that, that, branch, that branch is doing a bit of good, and that branch is doing a bit of good, and that branch is doing a bit of good, and that branch is doing a bit of good, and that branch is doing a bit of good. But what perhaps we fail to realize is that we've got all these kind of branches of certain levels of goodness, but there is this goal that God has for us that's up here, that we can't quite grasp yet because we're, being, because we're caught up in all these good things. And I don't know who it was who said, the enemy of God's best is sometimes a lot of good. The enemy of God's best is sometimes a lot of good. Because to be honest, if you've been walking with Jesus conscientiously for a while, you've chopped off some of the obvious decaying, dead, smelly, stinky branches, I hope. If you haven't, then let's do that today. Uh, and it becomes more complicated. Uh, and there's lots of good, but true pruning cuts off branches sometimes that, that are offering a little bit of good in order that they can be channeled appropriately and uh, in the right way. So what's hindering your growth? What, what, what's, what's in the way? What, 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 what might you, just as the Spirit speaks to you, have the courage to, to, to go, no, I'm going to cut that off. Actually, it's a good thing, but it's not the thing that God's calling me to right now. Or there might be a decaying branch, of course, and it's time for that to go. What's, what's hindering? Perhaps in this moment of prayer, just hear, hear these words of Jesus. You, you did not choose me. Sometimes we think it's all about us, didn't we? God's so lucky that one day we chose him. <laughs> you didn't choose me. I, I the, the, the God of heaven, the maker of the universe, the supreme being outside all time, chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, that you might grow. And that that fruit will last. Father, wherever your spirit is resting on us this morning, help us to know that you have chosen us. And help us to expect growth. Because we receive this word that we've been chosen for it. Thank you. Chosen for growth and fruit. Thank you. And maybe in this moment, just give thanks to God for the areas of your life where you know you've grown. You know you're not where you were. You know you're not who you were. And we say more, Lord. Help me to be conscious of my environment that I might live planted and positioned and pruned for the growth that you promise, for the growth that is natural, for the growth that you say is part of kingdom life, 30, 60, 100 fold.